Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Glorious Rugby Podcast. I'm your co-host, John Fitzpatrick, and joining me is my fellow co-host. I can't talk today, AKP, so I'm just going to bring you right in because I'm stumbling all over my words. Alistair, how you doing, bud? I'm I'm doing well. I mean, it's no longer the uh, the quiet off season that we were complaining about last week. So as soon as we I'm... recorded that that episode, it was boom, 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 huge news for for old glory. So that's exciting. It's fun. Very exciting. I also think all glory DC officials, if you're listening out there, they're doing it on purpose, and I know it, and it's <laughs> funny. But each time we record a podcast and we cut it up and we're about to release it, they're like, you know what? Let's release some news. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're waiting there. They're like, hold it. Hold it. Okay, they've recorded all the news. <laughs> I mean, there was news literally like, you know, 30 minutes after we, we hit stop on the recording. And then it's like, major news comes out. It's just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Let's talk about that major news because there we've got three big things. Let's start right off the top here with the, the fact, and you called this. I got to give you kudos on this. You've called this for the last, since we started recording this, talking about the home venue, of course, Old Glory DC officials announced that starting next season in the 2024 MLR season, they're moving from Segra Field to the Maryland Soccer Plex, AKP. Round of applause for, 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 for calling that. But what are your general thoughts on that? I mean, I've, I've spoken so fondly of the place in the, before, and that hasn't really changed. It's, it's a great venue. I mean, it's, it's a really nice area. It's got, you know, trees and fields all around it. It's a, uh, you've got a, a parking lot where they they're gonna actually be allowed to to have some tailgating. You know, there's trees around the stadium that you can. There's shade. It's it's sort of sunk into the ground a bit, so it's a a real bowl shape, and like you get the atmosphere is great there. There's gonna be a lawn at the both end zones. I assume they'll have some uh, some picnic tickets where you can you know bring your family spread a blanket and watch rugby that way i just think it's going to be such a great venue for the team and importantly it's going to be a venue where they have a lot more control over the experience and that's something that that's pretty much the reason they left catholic i mean catholic had a lot of problems um there was you know the field was was crap and uh, the facilities weren't really intended for a professional team but also, they just didn't have the control. They couldn't really paint over the lines there. There was a bunch of things they weren't allowed to do there. They moved to Segra. There's still there were still a bunch of things they weren't allowed to do. You know, they weren't allowed to have real tailgating. They were, you know, it was a fight to get um, better food options. I know people complained a lot about the food options for the first year at Segra. Um, you know, letting fans onto the field after a game that was a, a thing that they had to to push for and really make happen. So there's there was a bunch of things where they were constantly, you know, not allowed to do the things that they wanted to do there. And so moving to a place where they have more control, where they can just make those decisions, they're more in charge of what the game day experience is. I think that can make a huge difference. And I think we'll see a lot more them be a lot more responsive and a lot or a lot quicker to respond to community feedback on things. You know, if you have a problem next year, I would just complain talk to tell someone about it and and they will probably be able to fix it because they will actually have that that control and that authority now mm -hmm. i think the key thing that you hit on is um and something that old glory dc really wants to focus on is the experience right the game day experience and 
the press release mentioned beer garden. I read that. That was like one of the first things that I read. <laughs> um, but, and, and you know, it, it goes back to, okay, Hey, you know, one of the investors now in the club is the basis for the bass guitars for uh, earth, wind and fire. And you're seeing what other MLR clubs are doing around their game day atmosphere, make it festival, like getting some entertainment, making it, you know, uh, just enhancing and elevating what the game day experience is like. So I'm super excited for all of that. Some folks have pointed out that, you know, distance wise, you know, yeah. it's, yes, it's Maryland. It's still outside the Beltway. It's but, not really um, any closer. It's, it's only a little bit closer, <laughs> but it is closer to the end of the, uh, the Metro. If you're taking Metro and then Ubering, mm-hmm. it's, it's a much shorter, you know, it was like, 20 miles or something past the end of the metro 15 miles or something like that um at segra field and now it, it's it's much shorter i haven't looked at what it is but it's it's more like it's less than 10 miles so it's it's a significant improvement there you can't actually get there on buses that's what i did for the crc i took public transit the whole way and you know it took a long time even coming from relatively close and i'm in bethesda maryland and so like it was, it was relatively close, but it still took me a while. But it's at least possible now. But ultimately, yeah, this move does not solve the one big problem we all had with Segra Field, which said it's really far away. And you know, long term, the team is going to need to move inside the Beltway. And their announcement acknowledged that. They, they said, look, we want to, but there's just not an option right now. And... Mm-hmm they will they will get there and i think it's that's that's still their goal but in the meantime this should provide a much better experience when you actually get to the game and that's what i'm excited for absolutely i think it's a step in the right direction and i appreciate the transparency in the release saying hey look we know this isn't in the beltway yet but um, you know given the the dynamics of trying to build a rugby professional rugby team here in the U.S. and everything that's going on in the D.C. area. You know, there's still going to be some challenges, but I think it's a, it's a step in the right direction. All right, so AKP, right? One, that's great news, right? And you think that would be the end of some blockbuster news, but we got to bring up the latest player signing and it's super excited for the return of fly half Jason Robertson. Complete surprise to me. This, yeah. to me, comes out of nowhere because – same jason great great years with old glory dc old glory dc's all-time leading scorer opportunity to go play in france he was in pro d2 and then on a top 14 club right like high level rugby there over in france and then when i saw on my social feed that he was coming back to old glory dc whoa buddy did i get excited about that akp fill fill the fans in on just what robertson meant for old glory in those first couple of years in mlr I mean, he was a a great fly half for us. I mean, that 2020 and then 2021, he and Danny Tusitala were considered, you know, one of the best halfback pairings of the league. And we sort of never <laughs> managed to reach that level again. He, you know, he left to, to go play in France because he was, he was doing so well over here and you know, that's a huge payday for him. And so that it's great that he got that opportunity. You know, we sort of struggled a bit to replace him. Last year was was good, though. I mean, we, we've managed to find um, 
some players who replaced him, but not even then, not entirely. We sort of managed. He was he was a complete package, able to distribute and attack and kick. And you know, we had Grady last year, who was great at distributing. We had Tito, who was excellent at kicking, great at attacking, but sort of Jason Robertson represents the the complete package, and that is it's exciting to get him back. Now it is interesting what this implies for the rest of the players on the team, because you would assume that Tito is not coming back because there's, I mean, Grady probably going to stick around because he'll, he'll be a domestic option at fly half. He doesn't count against that foreign player cap. He was sort of the de facto starter by the end of the, the season. So you would assume that, that Tito isn't, isn't coming back. Which, which is, uh, you know, that's that's a loss for the the club too. But hopefully, Robertson is a, a good replacement for him. Yeah, that was that was my next question. It was like, what does that mean for for the fly halves in the room there? And I think, I think you're right. I think Grady sticks around because again, that domestic option um, will be interesting to see what happens with with Tito if you know if <laughs> he winds up down in Miami. <laughs> Seems yeah. like there's a the Argentine influence there. And look, Tito had it, I thought played very well. Um and he and Grady seemingly were able to switch in and out based on on matchups. So I, I don't think this is the last week we'll see of Tito if he's not coming back to Old Glory, but it would seems like this is that one to one international player swap with yeah. you know not a knock on Tito, but with seemingly uh, maybe just an, an upgrade simply because on um, the playing experience that Jason, you know, now had two years in France, but also that real connection, as you mentioned, that he has with Danny Tusatala, if they can regain that form, building off of a year where they made the playoffs for the first time, got their first playoff win, moving into a new home venue. Oh boy, things are looking up and up for Old Glory in, in 2024. Very exciting stuff as we... Yeah get you know almost to the midpoint maybe ish of of the mlr off season if i have one one uh note of caution for for jason robertson the thing that that sticks in my head is like we don't quite know the answer to that yet is um you know the league has really moved on too from 2020 and 2021 the the play has gotten better i mean he was in there before la really changed what it meant to be an mlr team and raised the standards so Hopefully, you know, he comes back and he, he looks like he did in 2020 and 2021. But we also sort of can't expect that of him. He's he's a player who's, you know, he's coming into a different league. The league has changed in the last two years. And, I you know, I hope he's up to the new standard. Well, we will certainly find out and looking forward to welcoming him back in to the mix. AKP, let's move on. More exciting news here uh, in Old Glory DC world. You probably saw this, but Old Glory DC announced kind of a formal player development pathway partnership with one of the local men's clubs teams here in in the DC area, and that is the Washington Irish. And soon we're going to introduce our our next segment. We're going to actually have an interview with Phil DeWolf, who's an executive committee member for the Washington Irish, talk a little bit more about what this partnership means. But from the way I understand it is this is an opportunity for for players who are kind of on that fringe of the match day 23 for Old Glory to get some meaningful minutes with at a high-level men's club. So 
So like using specific names, say a guy like Mike Weir, right? Could we see him and others, guys who, you know, Koi Koi Nelligan, who maybe might not be making the match day 23 every time, still playing high-level competition on, on the men's club side? Or kind of break us down what this partnership could look like and what it means for Oval Glory DC. Yeah. And obviously we'll ask Phil about this more and I'm, I'm sure he'll have a, a much deeper perspective on this, but it's, it does seem to be exactly that partnership, a chance to, to get old glory players who aren't necessarily getting the minutes in MLR to have a chance to play because, you know, you only get better at rugby by playing. And there's a lot of guys who only got a handful of minutes during the MLR season. I mean, you said Mike Weary only got got one game. He he actually started at fly half, or he actually got time at fly half, which often doesn't happen at, at the fly half position. But he played forty minutes of it of rugby, and you know it's hard to get better when you're only playing forty minutes a game. And so this is, you know, obviously the level will be slightly lower than MLR, but you know it it will still give him that that chance to develop and a chance to learn, a chance to apply things that he's being coached on during the season and and hopefully he can get a lot of minutes and and him and everyone else you know all there's a lot of other players who maybe got more minutes but but still could use something to do in the off season i've always thought it's it's odd how you know mlr lasts about half the year but then the other half of the year a bunch of players don't seem to do anything don't seem to play and then come back next year and and that's not really, you know, for some players, Jack Isgaro getting plenty of minutes in, in MLR. He doesn't necessarily need a, a place to be in the offseason. But there's a, a bunch of players who really could use that that extra game time and e- even playing at a lower level, a chance to figure some stuff out. So it, it seems like seems great. It, it does seem great. And I think it, if you look around the league, it seems to be something that a lot of MLR teams are starting to move towards, right? Establishing those connections and those roots with the local men's club team in the area. And again, an opportunity for, for players, you know, I guess come back and forth a little bit, or again, just get meaningful minutes. And uh, I'm excited to see what, um, where this goes and, you know, how the players will be used and even an opportunity to watch, some of these players, right? Go out and support your local men's and women's club team, right? And here's another opportunity to maybe see some future Old Glory DC players. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Hey, KP, how about it? How about we move on over to our interview with Phil DeWolf, Washington Irish RFC Executive Committee member, Vice President of the club, as he talks a little bit more about what this partnership with Old Glory DC looks like. All right, Phil, off the jump, man. Exciting news with Old Glory DC. And we're going to get into a lot in this interview, but I got to ask you first. Old Glory announced that they're going to be switching home venues for the 2024 MLR season, going from Segra Field to the Maryland Soccer Comp, the Maryland Soccerplex. Excuse me. How do you feel about that move? Hey, John, AKP, let me tell you, I am excited. So uh, had the opportunity to really see the uh, the Maryland Soccer Complex last year uh, during the CRC Sevens Championship. So Washington Irish actually partnered with the CRCs. We were the uh, premier uh, club sponsor at the event, and we were we had a tent there every day in the rain. 
in the sun and then in more rain. And uh, you see the world-class facilities there, the, uh, the, the ability to, to have a little more of a, a rugby culture in the parking lots, in the, uh, in the stands and everything that can come to it. Uh, I mean, it's still not in, inside D.C., which I think is ultimately what everybody wants. Uh, it's still going to be a little bit of a hike, but I think the venue, the location, and the, the partners there at the Maryland uh, Soccerplex are going to be great for, uh, for, for the rugby. The fields there are immaculate, um, and I'm really excited to see, uh, see the, game day, uh, the game day atmosphere out there in, in Maryland. Awesome. Yeah, I think both AKP and I are pretty excited about that move as well. And as you said, it's, it's a great venue. So things are, are looking up for the club for next season. But hey, man, I want to talk a little bit about yourself and AKP and I will jump in with questions. But Phil, for those who don't know who you are, again, we, we gave a little bit of the intro. You're a member of the executive committee for the Washington Irish Men's Club here in, in D.C. You're the vice president a very fancy title for a men's rugby club but <laughs> phil give us your give us your background man how did you get started in rugby and uh, yeah catch us up on all that yeah no actually so i've been uh, playing rugby for a little over 15 years uh it's funny my wife and i got married uh she was still in grad school and uh being a newly married guy trying to uh, you know take advantage of having my wife around me as much as possible she threw me out of the house and told me to go find a find a uh, uh, something else to do, a, a hobby, if you may. <laughs> and uh, a buddy of mine asked me if I liked uh, hard work and a lot of pain. I said, yeah. And he's like, all right, come try rugby. Uh, went to the first <laughs> practice, cracked my head open, and uh, was, uh, was fell in love with the game ever since. Uh, it's been – it's rugby is – the world unifier like uh i moved to germany um about 10 years ago and the only question my wife asked me was is there a rugby club there and i looked it up there certainly was first practice i showed up didn't speak a lick of german but i found uh, if you find the biggest guy and just lay him out physical contact is an international language and uh, all of our our best friends and uh, best experience happened there in uh uh, through rugby in Germany. I played for more than 10 years with the Washington Irish uh, uh, in just about every position um, you can imagine. Uh, unfortunately, I, uh, my last game, I stepped onto the field and I shattered my hip back in, uh, back in November. Oh, spent, uh, spent a week in, in the hospital, shout out to the Washington Hospital Center, putting me back together, uh, walking and running again. But uh, I think my, my playing days are officially over so that's why i've kind of i've been moving into the administrative role of the washington irish helping run the club um something that i don't think a lot of fans see is how much work goes behind the scenes uh at grassroots rugby uh from getting fields to getting referees to getting to having coaches to recruiting players to having a bar to go sit up and watch the oh glory dominate um whoever they're playing in their game or go watch the internationals uh, over, I mean, the rugby world cup right now, we're working very closely with our sponsor bars uh, such as O'Connell's uh, and uh, down in Alexandria, DC, who welcome us because of the relationships that our, our, our club has built with them. And uh, because of the culture and everything that club rugby in the area brings. So the executive council, and I mean, we're talking every club in, uh, in, in, in grassroots rugby has people behind the scenes making it all work so that on Saturdays, whatever grassy, dirty field we can go find to play a game in uh, is ready, for, uh, ready for, for the game that we all love. So, so Phil, for, for 
I think everyone knows there's a really healthy rugby culture here in the in the DMV, you know, District Maryland, Virginia, for from grassroots youth, um, high school level, college, men's and women's club. But you know, for those who don't know too much about it, what really is is the men's and women's club scene like here in in the DMV? Yeah, I would argue from top to bottom, the DMV and the Capital Rugby Union. Uh, is the best local rugby in the country. You have some of the highest performing men's teams, Nova Rugby, Schuylkill River, uh, um, Rocky Gorge have all competed for national championships um, at the highest levels. The Washington Irish have done it in the past. Um, Norfolk, Pittsburgh, uh, uh, Baltimore, Chesapeake, uh, Perk, Washington Rugby. I mean, there are just so many to name, and that's just the D1 level. I mean, you're talking D4 level, you're talking... Uh, D3, where you've got a lot of newer players or players who take it a little more on the social side, uh, the Washington area rugby uh, on the men's side is just phenomenal. And then that's not even to mention the women's side of rugby, where you've got Nova women who have won national championships in the past uh, in the past couple of years. We're just out there this past summer again competing. Um, and that's all grown or born, I guess, uh, by the young, the youth rugby that we have in the uh, in the area. My son, who's 11 years old, started playing a couple years ago, and uh, he's growing up in, in the game, and it's phenomenal. And you see high schools like Fort Hunt and, and Gonzaga, who compete nationally at the high school level to play, not to mention all the college games. So grassroots rugby and youth rugby here in the DMV uh, is, uh, is, quite, is quite strong. Phil, you mentioned, you know, uh... The, the different levels, right, from from the social to the competitive, and, and from everything that I know about, you know, the club scene here, these are staffed by people who are passionate about rugby, but they also have full time jobs, like high high level, high powerful jobs, you know, working in government, defense contracting, you name it. You run out on a field, a rugby pitch, in a men's and, and women's club game. You're going to be playing against some some interesting individuals out there, and I think that's what's really interesting about kind of this area is that you've definitely the demographics where you've got folks who are working full time. They're also volunteering and dedicating their time to help raise grassroots and get kids involved in rugby. So all of that leads to my next question. You mentioned a number of clop clop mentioned a number of top clubs in the D.C. area. How is it that the Washington Irish were able to establish, um, you know, a partnership with Old Glory DC? What was it about Washington Irish? Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate that. So the Washington Irish have been around since 1980. We've had our ups and our downs on the field, um, but what you have always seen is a strong uh, foundation for a rugby club, right? I, uh, we like to talk about being a club for life, where we have old boys who were part of the founders uh, from, 19, from 1980 who are still with the club working to make sure that the professionals who make up this, this, uh, this organization not only compete on the field, but are set up for life. And so a few, a uh, couple years ago, a conversation uh, that Old Glory started having was, hey, we have a lot of great players who might not necessarily make the, the 23 on game day. And they're sitting here, they're training with us, but they're not getting the game experience uh, that will help take them to the next level. 
and make and make old glory take old glory their player pool the possible players that uh, are good for selection to grow that number so that they're even more competitive going forward and so I would say over a year ago conversations began with old glory about how the Washington Irish could one take and grow our culture continue our identity and I think that's the biggest thing that we had this conversation with uh, with Old Glory about is the identity of who the Washington Irish are uh, both on and off the field but how we could integrate uh, players and opportunities to uh, to really give Old Glory a, an opportunity to see younger players uh, play in games have extra opportunities to see them practicing uh, with the, the Washington Irish um, and really become not, I don't want to say a feeder team, but a, a place where those, where those players could uh, improve their worth and get game reps so that they, they grow their ability and their skills there uh, in, in the game. So in talking with, uh, with the coaching staff, with the ownership team, with, uh, and with our executive council, it, we realized that there was a confluence of, of uh, opportunity for both, for both things. Um, as you mentioned, we're all busy and we're all, we all have professional lives and, uh, and we all are, are working, doing some crazy things. We like to joke the number of advanced degrees on the, uh, uh, on, on the field at any one time in a, in a Washington area rugby game is usually higher than, than the score at halftime. It's just, it's insane to think what, who is actually on the field in many of these ways. But what this will do is it provides, uh, the Washington Irish with, access to to the coaching staff we we train next to young glory uh uh on any given day um separately but they're there and we're there and we see and we work you know have some intermixing every now and then um but then also these players just become part of the club and then if they uh if they reach the level that oh glory thinks they eventually will um and those players think they eventually can um then the conversation about signing them to the MLR contracts uh, takes the next step, and then we're, we're totally out of that. Um, so it's a great partnership that gives us, gives our players, Washington Irish players, you know, exposure to rugby at the highest level, which is what every player wants, um, but also gives uh, Old Glory a, a place to, uh, to, to have the players who might not necessarily be on the 23 or the traveling 30 or whatever the, the traveling roster is looking like, an opportunity to keep getting meaningful minutes against high-quality rugby. Um, as we mentioned earlier, the rugby in, in the D.C. area is top-notch. And I think, I think the, the proof that we, we – the principle that we showed this in was uh, last year, we, uh, two years ago, I guess now, we traveled to Austin when Old Glory was playing um, – when Old Glory was playing – uh, down in Austin, now defunct, uh, now defunct team, the Gilronis or Giltinis. I can't remember which Gil team they were. Um, but we went down there, and at that time we had two two guys who on our club were being looked at for uh, by Old Glory. Uh, one of them is now John Rizzo, who's you know getting regular minutes uh, on the on the 23, and you know probably the my and my biased opinion the best defensive uh, tackler they have there in that in that back three. Um, but we showed up, showed out, played Austin, and then we showed up at the, the game with, uh, against, the, against the MLR Austin team. And that was where the conversation and the thought really started to come. We played the Austin Huns, a very high-level rugby team, 
um, <clears throat> and traveling up and down. And so is there a way that we continue to play those high-level rugby teams, the NIACs, if we're up in, up in New York or down in Atlanta, there even, there's like the Club One level, then there's like the AARP level just above that, and then there's, uh, then there's MLR. And finding that sweet niche to get those times and play those games uh, is invaluable for, for everybody. And so that's really what the partnership is, uh, is all about, is developing players and giving people a pathway to be noticed by MLR if they're not drafted while still you know, having jobs, hopefully, but then also loving and learning the game uh, of rugby that we all that we all personally love and enjoy. It, that's a, a really cool partnership, and it feels like that's sort of the the future of MLR is is partnering with local clubs and really finding ways to to integrate into the broader U.S. rugby scene. Because one of the things that we've you know everyone's been thinking about is you know missing the world cup it's like okay how do we strengthen rugby in this country and how do we you know mlr has a place in that but it obviously you know you need more than just mlr in this in this country for for rugby to thrive and i'm really curious how you see club rugby in general fitting into into the rugby scene and and sort of how it's changed you know club rugby before mlr is is presumably a very different thing to club rugby after MLR. And I'm, I'm curious about your perspective on that. Now that's a, that's a great question. So club rugby has always been the feeder of, of the national team, right? Be it here in the United States, be it anywhere. Right. And while my, while our relationship with, uh, with old glory is unique to, to us, there are other MLR teams that have are developing similar relationships because that, that pathway from age 18 to the U23 type of programs up to the to the to the senior level national teams still has a lot of development to do. It, it takes money, it takes time, it takes resources um, uh, that aren't always necessarily there. And so, by investing a little into the uh, to the rugby club scene, USA Rugby or MLR or whoever, is actually getting a test bed for for more athletes to be playing. For uh, people to be getting experience that hopefully will uh, will lead to, to success on the on the national stage. I mean, Jack Escario is you know a great a great example of that. He came up through club rugby and uh, and he played in college and straight to M- and, and into the MLR and everything that he has done. You've seen that progression and now he's a he's a regular Eagle uh, pool player. I mean, um, so those are the types of things I think the opportunities are still there. I don't think we've we've cracked the nut, if you may, on on that at the club rugby level. But and I don't think this partnership will necessarily crack that nut. But it might be a proving ground for ways that you can invest in club rugby a little, uh, both in time and effort, uh, in coaching, uh, and to see big rewards come out of that. So, Phil, I mean, it's a great partnership, and you mentioned a number of players that have, have, have come up from Washington up to Old Glory, D.C., John Rizzo being one of them. I know AK, AKP speaks very highly of Rizzo each time we, we talk and recap the games. But tell us, right, so fans of Old Glory, D.C., who understand now what this partnership is about and see that there's an opportunity to see some of these younger players. Like, like I'm thinking like a guy like Mike Ware, Mike Ware, right, who we drafted last year out of Dartmouth, fly half being able to get some more meaningful minutes. It seems like there's an opportunity for Mike there to play with the Irish. So if I'm a fan of Old Glory DC and I want to see some of these up-and-coming players and who potentially will be playing with the Washington Irish, 
Where can we watch you guys? Where are the where are the home games? Where can we find you on social? Give us those details. Yeah, no, absolutely. So you know, we're still uh, still. I mean, just announced. So we're still working on the player list and everybody who's going to be coming out and uh, and uh, that'll be a partnership with Coach Cross and uh, the whole coaching staff, Coach Callum, uh, Coach Coach Stima, um, uh, who are all great guys. Have been to trainings and have already been ex- uh, sharing their. Uh, uh, their, their rugby knowledge to all of us. So we really appreciate all of them. Hey, we are on socials at Washington Irish RFC on Instagram. Or our, our, uh, our, you can go to WashingtonIrishRFC.org uh, 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 on, on the website. Our home pitch is Haynes Point, right in downtown D.C. So uh, it's in East Potomac Park. Uh, I wish we uh, had TV. We don't. You know, club rugby doesn't do anything like that. But on a Saturday afternoon at 1 p.m., you can almost always find club rugby in D.C. And our home pitch is uh, is Haynes Point. We've got we have uh, seven more uh, matches this this fall, and then more matches in the spring. Um, and I'll sh- uh, and uh, we hope to see some of you guys out there wearing either the old glory blue and red, but you know, ideally the uh, the Irish Kelly green. Awesome, awesome. AKP, did you want to well, – let's, let's get Phil out, close Phil out on a, on, a, on a fun question here. What's the worst weather you've ever played rugby in? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the worst rug weather, I, I, I would say the snowball that I played when I was living in, in Germany. There was at least six inches of snow on the ground, but that actually turned a lot of fun if you just got over it. Um, I will have to say when we went to Austin two years ago – uh, we, we left DC. It was snow, it was cold and wet. And we thought we were, all right, we're going to Texas is going to be awesome. By about 20 minutes into the game, it started sleeting and dropped to 35 degrees, uh, weather you're, you, you're on a tour, you're playing against, uh, a, a hard hitting side. You may or may not have been, uh, uh, enjoying the, uh, the town of Austin very late in the night before. And as, <laughs> As you're as you're as you're packing down another scrum and more sleet is just smashing you in the face, uh, that was that was a tough one. Hey, we won the game though, so that's uh, that that was all that mattered. So, very it was, it was a great it. a great trip, all worth it. But you know, I, I'm done with sleet and playing rugby. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> well, Phil, we we appreciate the time. This is an audio only podcast, but to paint the picture for everyone who's listening, Phil's taking time out of his very important job. He's got a suit and tie on and a jacket. It's 90 degrees outside. So we appreciate uh, Phil's time filling us in on, on this awesome partnership between uh, the Washington Irish and, and Old Glory DC. We'll, we'll be able to link out to where you can find Washington Irish um, on the podcast notes and all that good stuff. But Phil, appreciate your time today. Hey, I really appreciate you guys taking the time. Uh, we're really excited about about this partnership. Uh, but as a as a club rugby guy through and through, uh, I'm really excited about where club rugby in the D.C. area is going. But especially with the Washington Irish, uh, we're a club for life, uh, and uh, that's uh, that's what we're hoping to you know just grow that family. That's that's part of the part of that life. So appreciate you guys taking the time. Thanks. Thank you. All right, that was our interview with Phil DeWolf, Vice President of the Washington Irish AKP. Very interesting interview, a little more insight on what this partnership means. And I think the one thing that just stood out to me is just kind of the the, the passion and energy that folks have in the men's and women's club rugby scene, not only just here in D.C., but just around the country as, as folks continue to – 
to dedicate themselves uh, to the sport. And, you know, as Phil said, I guess it's kind of unique to the Washington area. You run out there on the pitch, there's more uh, advanced degrees that pile up before <laughs> halftime than the, than the score. But AKP, what were your kind of thoughts on, on what this partnership means for, for Washington Irish and, and Old Glory DC? Yeah, it was cool to get to get insight into that that partnership and insight into the the club scene here because it's one of those things that I think it can be almost a little inaccessible or at least not you have to go and seek it out and so I think it's it's cool that Old Glory can you know the club scene can support Old Glory and Old Glory can support the club scene and hopefully we see more partnerships and more um more integration there i mean there's no reason that you know they're partnering with the the irish now but there's no reason that they couldn't see their players at at other clubs you know in the spring as well or in the the fall as well so it i feel like this is the future of of evelar and you know we're going to need to figure out how to make rugby work at multiple levels in this country if we're going to have a decent um national team if we're going to make the 2031 rugby world cup that's going to be here be a success finding ways of of bringing people into rugby at every level youth gets talked about a lot but also at the high school level and then at the club level after when people are a little older that i think all of that is going to be important and and matter (coughs) and and the more that we can tie these things together and get everyone on the same page i think it's great yeah, I agree. And it's actually, you know, it's interesting because if you notice in the last couple of years in the MLR draft, you've seen a couple of players, or you, you, you hear rumors about some players not entering their name in the draft, and then they kind of get to pick and choose maybe what MLR club they want to, to play with. So, you know, they, they move to a certain MLR city, latch on with a men's club team that maybe has an affiliation with the the MLR club and then kind of latch on to a team that way. I'm not necessarily saying that's going to happen here, but, you know, it's certainly uh, a pathway and maybe a little bit of a free agency option for some of these players, but that only really works if these MLR clubs have, you know, formal pathway development programs set up with some local men's clubs teams. So, you know, interesting trend to watch. And as you said, you know, just, more opportunities for some of these players who may not be on a match day 23 to play some high level rugby and be able to be a part of that MLR environment without necessarily playing because things are too full, but still get meaningful minutes playing rugby. Sorry. Frog in my throat. All right, I'll move on. AKP. I mean, goodness, exciting news across the MLR, but, Certainly, Rugby World Cup dominated some of the coverage this weekend. Did you get an opportunity to uh, watch any of the first round matches? Yeah, I did. I <clears throat> I watched England Argentina, uh, which was a nice experience. I was better, far better than I was expecting from England. It had the great combination of being both England winning and uh, chaos, which which I liked. <clears throat> um, That's right. You know, three drop goals in a match is just mm, chef's kiss. Fantastic. And down a man. And so I'm I'm, I'm more impressed with England than I was expecting to be. A lot of room to grow, but but it could have been worse. 
I also got to see uh, a bit of Chile against Japan. And mm-hmm. and that was just, you know, Japan ended up running away with it at the end. But it was mm-hmm. it was so nice to see, you know, countries. I'm Japan sort of tier one, sort of not. But like people who say that there ought to be less tier two rugby in, in the Rugby World Cup are just wrong. Like it was so good. It was so much fun. And in some ways it was so much more fun than England, Argentina, where there wasn't a try scored until like the 79th minute or something it, it you know you got chile chile and japan out there just running around scoring tries making things happen and it, it was great fun and i want more of that yeah i agree in, entirely and you know um i'm excited for chile's next match they think i think they take on samoa um on saturday at 9 a.m eastern time so that'd certainly be one to watch yeah i think you you hit it on the head with england uh yellow that became a red you got to think oh we are in trouble here and darning if george ford the the consummate professional just coolly and calmly starts dropping goals from 50 meters out <laughs> unbelievable stuff and then argentina, argentina had to be so frustrated one. Argentina yeah. tried one, yeah. and I guarantee it, they were just pissed off at the English for, for continuing to take these drop goals. They're like, we're going to take one of our own. And I think they missed it, but it was, I love it. I, I wish there were more drop goals. It's such a fun way for rugby to go. And it's kind of, um, it's, an, it's an interesting strategy, because even if you miss it, you're getting the ball back. You know, why not take more? opportunities right they got to kick the ball back to you why not take more opportunities to to try and slot a a drop goal because then you know the team's got to be aware of that and play a little bit differently if you start to see the fly half drop back there in the slot and maybe the drop goal's coming maybe it's not right but you know the strategy behind it is so much fun if we can as you said introduce more chaos into the game i'm all for it and there were a number of surprising or at least just fun games to watch certainly the opener france beating new zealand handing new zealand their first loss at a rugby world cup new zealand just did not look good very good in that game and kudos to france the host nation for for stepping up and saying because they got to choose who they played first they said hey look we are hosting we want to take on new zealand let's do this thing yeah (laughs) glad it worked out for them too because they also looked a little shaky in the first half, but man, in the second half when they clicked, oh, it was beautiful stuff. Absolutely. And certainly I'm cheering for Ireland. I'd love to see Ireland try and get their first. If France gets their first, that'd be great too. And with the return of Johnny Sexton, he looks pretty good, 38 years old, still playing high level rugby. That is wild. And, and I know they did play Romania, but again, kudos to Romania for at least you know, giving it a go out there. The other game that I got to talk about, Certainly South Africa, Scotland, that was a feisty one. Um, but that Wales-Fiji game to close out the first round, I know Wales is going through some tough stuff right there. So, But, man, I, it was hard not to root for Fiji the way they came back at the end and had some opportunities to almost squeak out that wind against Wales. Um, it, exciting stuff. Um, I don't know if you called any of that, that game AKP. I haven't made it to that one yet, but I've been working my way through the replays this week. Nice. Well, there's some interesting matches coming up in round two. Uh, so we, got, you know, I think the the two or there's maybe three that I'm 
I'll go four. Screw it. Samoa Chile is definitely one that I'm going to be interested in watching on Saturday morning. That Wales-Portugal match as well could be interesting. Love to see what Portugal uh, can do there. Australia-Fiji on Sunday, I think, is going to be interesting. Australia, you know, they did get their first win under the Eddie Jones campaign. They did take it to Georgia. And you got to think Fiji's going to be up for this game, considering how close they came to, to knocking off Wales. So that should be interesting. But that England-Japan game, AKP, I don't know. Are you a little nervous about uh, that Sunday afternoon game? I'm always nervous about England. <laughs> I, I think I think in the end, England showed really, really good defense, and I don't think the Japanese are going to be able to crack that, and that ultimately is going to be the, the game. I don't know if it's going to be a ton of fun to watch, but it should be. <laughs> and frankly, it's another one where I'm always happy for Japan to win. I, you know, when Argentina was playing England, it's like, yeah, I've got to cheer for England, but at the same time, if Argentina had won, I wouldn't have been... I wouldn't have been unhappy. And same with Japan. Anytime you can get one of those upsets and get one of those less traditional nations winning, it's it's always good. Absolutely. So a lot of fun and exciting rugby at the Rugby World Cup this weekend. Games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Catch it at your local pub or on Peacock TV. That's not a paid sponsorship because they do not pay us to say that. Maybe one day. But AKP, I'm going to uh, put you on the spot for the closing thoughts, as I always do, but you always crush it. Your closing thoughts. Give us the score prediction for England versus Japan and who's winning. I'm going to say 21 to 10. England wins 21 to 10. And George Ford remains the only English player to score have scored this World Cup. Because I'm pretty sure wow. he scored all the points in the last yeah. game. It was just all drop goals and penalties. So, I yeah, yeah that's my, my prediction. I like it. <clears throat> I'm going to take the other side. George Ford 21, Japan 10. <laughs> I'm going to go the other way and say Japan beats England on a try in the last minute of the game. I would take it. That's chaos. That's dramatic. I love it. We will see. On behalf of Bill the Wolf and my fellow co-host, Alistair Kirsch, Poole, I'm John Fitzpatrick. You've been listening to another episode of the Glorious Rugby Podcast. We'll catch you next week as we break down more Rugby World Cup action and any exciting old glory. DC News. Talk to you then.